The last page has been turned on my most recent read and it's another week and yet another book, but what's new? My reading pattern hasn't been great over the last seven days, but I do have a number of new books on the shelf. Again, nothing new and no surprise, including the brand new and beautiful indie version of Death Comes to Marlowe by Robert Thorogood, another cozy mystery that I'm gonna get stuck into and I don't know who the murderer is yet. But today we're not talking about that, and I have a guest. Hey! Cheers. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the book, or get to the book in general. It's the 1959 novel Psycho by Robert Block. And here to talk about it and the Hitchcock movie from 1960 is Lorraine, who is definitely much better at talking horror than I am, because I can't actually watch it very well. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a wimp. I just have different taste. So, so here we are. Unfortunately, the spoiler-free rule will not apply. There you go. There are going to be spoilers because we really cannot stay spoiler-free with this one. This episode will definitely be opinion-filled, and we're both ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, and ex-coffee addict, even though I nearly felt a temptation this morning. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% opinion-filled book reviews. She was... Yeah. <laughs> was a fugitive lost in a storm. That was when she saw the sign, motel, vacancy. The sign was unlit, the motel dark. She, she switched off the engine and sat thinking, alone and frightened. She had nobody. The stolen money wouldn't help her, and Sam couldn't either, because she had taken the wrong turning. She was on a strange road. There was nothing she could do now. She had made her grave, and she'd have to lie in it. She shivered in the cold car, surrounded by shadows. Then, without a sound, a dark shape emerged from the blackness, and the car door opened. Psycho is not a tale for queasy stomachs or faint hearts. It is filled with horrifying suspense, and the climax, instead of being a relief, will hit the reader with bone-shattering force. Okay, did you write do you think... that? No, I did not write what that. I was say. <laughs> what, just now? I'm not that good. <laughs> yes, you are. I wish I were that good. So, do you think that summary actually suits the book? Yeah, I was. I was kind of like, I was really into it. Like, really into it. The summary. I was like, oh, well done, Ray. But it wasn't it, me. No, it um, wasn't me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was good. So, you chose this book. What made you pick this out of the hundreds of horror novels there are out there? Well, I'm a big fan of the the film. I do I do love the film and I'm trying to not listen to audiobooks and read read stuff and I'm kind of like obviously using you as a way to because I'm not really doing my podcast anymore and I'm using you as a way to kind of do horror and I was actually going to do this book and the film for mine. So I selfishly went, "Oh, hey Ray, why don't we do this for your podcast?" <laughs> So yeah, but then I, you know, I do books, and we 
I try and do a variety. So this one is definitely outside of my comfort zone. I mean, I love Stephen King. There is something mm. about Stephen King's novels that I could probably read until the cows come home. I've actually got one on my TBR right now, somewhere behind me. Uh, Fairy Tale. Oh, okay. Which is a nice, big, thick book that came out last year. I think I got it for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, see, this one had only like 150-odd pages. 50, yeah, it was 153, I think. So I was yeah. like, and I remember... I had about 40 pages left and you were like oh I need to read this today and I was like all right yeah I need to finish it and you just text me like I'm done I was like what <laughs> yeah it was a quick book to read it's quite funny because I sent I sent a message from another friend saying oh I've just finished this book and she said is it a novel or a novella and I said it still classes as a novel as it's over 100 pages yeah well, see, but I think I was I was reading it, it like because I have to sit with my kid while she goes to bed, but we got her blackout. So I was reading it while she was going to sleep. But then we got blackout blinds for her room and I couldn't see the pages anymore. So then I had to find other times to to read it. Yeah, there you go. That yeah. That's it, though. Everybody has their, their different things that they find time for. Yeah, And exactly. I tend to just sit down and read at any opportunity that I get rather than mm. having to wait for a specific time. Yeah, yeah, I do the other thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have a life. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> yeah, this is my life. But it's it's one of those books. I found it very interesting. We are going to be talking about the book in comparison with the film because there are quite a few differences between the two mm-hmm. that were very interesting, I found, especially, especially when you compare and you look at the characters and you compare them to the one to how they are portrayed on the page. Mm. because I think in the film they chose far more I mean Anthony Perkins is actually quite a pretty actor I actually when I watched the film because I watched it the other week and I was like oh my god he's really cute yeah like, I was exactly. like he's actually an extremely attractive man and I, I feel like because of the the way they portray him in here he's kind of like this um <laughs> not so attractive man um and then I was watching it and he's 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 actually quite endearing in the film you know, he's quite sweet. I mean, obviously, take the murder thing aside. Yes. But he's, um, you kind of feel a bit sorry for him. But then I think the that, but you do the same in the book, because when Ma- um, Mary first arrives at the motel, mm. she almost finds some kind of bond with him. She's recommending that he gets help for his mother and has her section, Mm. which he takes kind of offense to. And there's this element of he's trying to appeal to her better nature. And the funny thing is neither of them really have a good nature because Mary's not exactly a nice person. And I think that when you see, obviously, the very, very famous shower scene Mm -hmm. in the film, you forget that actually she's just she's just basically stolen forty thousand dollars worth of somebody else's money and is on the run. Yeah. So she's not exactly an innocent angel. And you forget that in the in the moment where she's being stabbed through the shower curtain. Yeah, I, I found with the with the film, because obviously one of the differences at the beginning was we see the boss spot yeah. her in the car and we have the whole like in I, I think if you hadn't seen read the book because obviously I hadn't until we decided to do this and I've seen the film before but you've got that cop there who's really kind of 
on her tail like and when she's trying to buy the cars and swap the cars it's very intense and they're not sure what to do but with with the book it just seems a bit more like you know oh she goes off she gets a car and that's stuff the thing. like that in, in I thought she was more likable in the film than she was in the book in that's the thing in the yeah. book you get to find her you hear her ulterior motives mm. as she's planning them Whereas in the in the film, obviously, you don't get to see the inner workings of her mind. No, but I, I I want her to get away. See, in the book, you're kind of like, oh, that's terrible. You've you've done that. But in the film, I'm like, quick, drive to get away from the cops. And like, do you know what I mean? It's really, even though she's wrong, there's just something. And there weird. are no cops in the film either. Well, there. I mean, there is the um, yeah. sheriff yeah. at the end, but that's less to do with the money than it is the disappeared people. Mm. In the film, he's a police officer. He's a detective, mm. whereas in the book, he's a private eye. Yeah. What's his name? Aber- Abergast, was it? Abergast? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Abergast. Abergast. Abergast, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I think that I found the um, comparison of the characters quite interesting because you have, um, obviously, as I said, Anthony Perkins is quite a good-looking young man. Mm. And in the book, the impression you get and the description of Norman Bates is that he is a chunky, short, unattractive, almost hermit-like, very... um, introverted young man yeah who has zero interpersonal skills i mean there's no doubt that obviously norman bates in whatever guise hasn't got very many interpersonal skills yeah because when when we see the whole like kind of his first interaction with her in the book when uh, uh mary goes to his house and has something have to tea eat together don't yeah, they and all that kind of stuff like you can tell that he hasn't done that a lot whereas when I see him especially when in the film when he's with her and Sam when he talks to Sam he looks like someone that's not kind of afraid to talk to people I didn't get that because like, especially with Sam he was very like in his face where whereas in the book you kind of feel like he's a bit more held back it, he, I didn't feel like he was that I didn't feel like the um character in the book was the character in the film he was a bit more aggressive yeah yeah he was a bit more aggressive in the book with arbogast when he showed up Mm -hmm. and he had that an element of arrogance in the oh no she hasn't been here i don't know who you're talking about even after he'd seen the photographs but at the same time when he's with her and when he's with lila he's very um scared of his own shadow yeah, but you've got to remember, when Abergast is there, it's just him. But when Sam and Lila are there, there's two people. Yeah. So it's kind of harder to, you know, if you knocked off one of them, then the other one's going to be like, what, you know, where where is he or where is she? Like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think they did it. I mean, I think the way they portrayed him in the film was really good. And, um, I mean, obviously... Hitchcock is known for his suspense and all that kind of stuff and I do think it keeps you on your toes a lot but because I'd seen the film obviously before I read the book and then I read the book and I was just kind of like it it, I'll be honest with you when when I was reading the book I felt like I'd forgotten the film because I was like going hang on is his mother alive 
because they do yeah. it does come across that way because you yeah. have the, there are the elements of conversation that he has with her mm. and it feels as though he's having a conversation with another character rather than as it turns out his split personality yeah because I was in my head I was like I know she's not but then I was like am I remembering it wrong it was really weird because the book kind of sends you on a different kind of path with her and even in the film when so I read the book and even though I'd read it and I even googled it and I, I I was like no she is she is dead and then when you're watching the film and Marion is hearing her shout you know she's she's having a go about him yeah. talking about a thing and I'm like Oh, I've read it wrong again. She is alive, and I, it might, but my brain was like going, "You know, she's not Lorraine. So why do you think that she is?" Because it was so convincing. Like when he does the mum's voice up there in the house, and Marion hears it, it sounds like his, like what I pre- I presume his mum sound like. like. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It was just so weird. Like, and it's actually quite a confusing film to watch at times and a confusing book to read because you're constantly kind of questioning this whole thing about his mom yeah you doubt I think that that is part of the purpose of the book though Mm. to give you this element of doubt about his character and about his his relationship with his mother because Mm. of course then also when I suppose we should probably explain it Mary Crane steals money from her employer because she wants to go and help her fiance, Sam Loomis, in Fairview to pay off his debts and so they can get married and buy a house together because that's their intention. Silly, silly woman. Silly woman, <laughs> exactly. So she is driving to Fairview to see Sam and to gift him this money. And she takes a wrong turning. It's tipping down with rain. She has no idea where she is because I think she's only done the journey once previously. Mm. And she ends up at this darkened motel that she initially believes is closed. And Mm. then Norman Bates opens the door. He invites her for supper as she is checking in under a false name. And then after they've got to know each other and he thinks that she's flirting with him, He has a discussion with his mother who sends him into a spiral of self-doubt. And the next thing you know, his mother has um, slit Mary's throat and cut her head off in the shower. As you do. As you do. Obviously, it's it's actually far more gruesome in the book than it is in the film. Yeah, in the film, it's stabby, stabby, and yeah. it's kind of that, whereas in the book, yeah. I mean, everybody knows it. Yeah. That sounds like bed springs. Um, yeah. Everybody knows that scene. However, in the book, if you're expecting that, you're not going to get it. You are going to get a straight on. The yeah. next, I think the line is, and then her head was cut off. Yeah, he's more violent in the book. Oh, far more so. Yeah. And he's then he dumps violent. her and her car in a mm. sand in a um in in um oh what's the word where's my brain in a swamp yeah yeah he dumps it dumps her car and her body without getting the, the money <laughs> without getting the money because he doesn't know it's there he yeah. thinks that she's this innocent 
young woman who's been flirting with him no idea that he has actually been harboring a criminal. Yeah, because he 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 thinks, doesn't he, that I think it's in the book, he thinks that you know the way he's got that peephole so he can see yeah. into the room. He thinks that she knows that he's, yeah, he's looking, yeah. so she puts on a bit of a show for him, doesn't he? Yes, while she's getting ready to have a shower, yeah. just yeah. clicking off the day. And then people start looking for Mary, mm. including Milton Arbogast, who is an investigator hired by Mary's boss, who happens yeah. to be Mr. Lowry. Yeah. And Lila, Mary's younger sister, who goes to see Sam, having discovered, which she didn't know, that her sister was engaged. She turns up at Sam's record shop and says, is my sister here? Have you heard from her? She went missing and I haven't seen her. and No one knows where she is. And she is soon followed by by Milton Arbogast, who arrives to ask pretty much the same questions. So I, like thought to myself when I was watching Lila I was like if I ever go missing I want Lila to be the one looking for me because I thought she had such balls like she'd be the type of character that would make a really good final girl because she goes up to that house which the house in itself is terrifying and she just goes in there she wanders around and then she goes down to the is it the cellar that fruit cellar fruits fruit cellar and we see the whole thing with um, the mom, the mother, and uh, you know, she just—I don't know—I just, I just love the ballsiness of that because, like, when you think of this, because it's obviously based off the whole Egging thing, and when I was looking off of that, and I, I just kept thinking of like serial killers, and you know, it's just, but like, would I have gone in there? I'd like to think I would. I know I wouldn't. I'd have run about 10 miles in the other direction. I probably would have went in there, but I I would have been a bit more like, I I think I'd have been a bit more kind of like aware. She kind of just went in and out and stuff like that. But I think that's the whole Hitchcock thing. Like it gives you that suspense. And then when she goes downstairs and she goes in there and we see the little old lady. And she was driven by the fact that she had found her sister's earring Mm-hmm. in the motel room and yeah. knew therefore that Mary had definitely been there I mean the mm-hmm. thing with Lila is in a way she is a final girl in yeah. an indirect way she is because she is the last girl standing and he does attempt to kill her yeah oh that was so funny, funny? I don't mean him trying to kill her but when I'll be honest with you. So when when she goes down there and she's talking and she hears that voice and she thinks obviously it's the mother and the mother turns around and it's you know it's a skeleton, and then um, Norman comes in with the knife and he's trying to kill her and stuff like that. And he's also but, dressed in his mother's clothing, which is really weird. And uh, then he gets grabbed by Sam because Sam comes to help her, but the way he kind of dramatically kind of collapses in his arms and is all like ah I thought I thought that was a bit funny that kind of that's I mean that's the film in the book yeah it is far there is also the element of Lila isn't going to take it sitting down because Mm. she has spoken to the detective and she said she talked about how Arbogast had mentioned Norman's mother and they'd seen her at the window in that when they went up to the motel and he says oh well no that can't be right because his mother killed herself and her lover 
she committed suicide when he was in his teens and he ended up in hospital, couldn't even go to her funeral. Mm -hmm. And so there's that moment of realization that all of the things they'd heard were completely false. Mm -hmm. And that's what made them both go to the motel in order to um, find out finally what was going on. Because of course, Arbogast had said, I'm going to find out, I'm going to trace your sister and I'm going to get that money back. Yeah. I mean, because ultimately that was the that was his goal. That was what he'd been sent there for. He wasn't there to find her so much as find the money. Oh, yeah. He didn't give a toss about Marion. Oh, no. He just wanted the blooming money. And that's the thing. Mary. And I think, Mary, sorry. Um, yeah, in the book, she's Marion and things. No, in the book, she's Mary. In the, in the film, book, she's Marion. In the film, she's Marion. And the reason she's Marion in the film is because yeah. there was a Mary... An yeah, actual Mary Crane. Yeah, they were there was yeah. a Mary Crane living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time the film was made. But that yeah. must have meant that there was a Mary Crane living in Phoenix, Arizona when the book was written, because it was only written the year before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they were worried about because people, I suppose, get a bit a bit funny about that. We were talking about how uh Marion stroke Mary was not the innocent party and how oh Abagast was just basically yes, Abagast was just worried about the money that she'd yeah. stolen and I like the thing is about that is kind of like I get that because obviously what she did was terrible and 40,000 pounds back in the late 50s is a humongous amount of money but then you just think of the sister like and I would be you know we'd all be the sister you know, who cares about money when it comes to someone's life? But nobody, you know, seemed to... I felt like nobody really cared about Marion slash Mary. That's the thing. I think that, I mean, Lila did. because no, apart from her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I think Sam did to a degree. I think he was he a bit did, of a pussy, to be honest with you. He did also say that she'd changed a lot. He'd noticed there were a lot of character changes in the person she became before the whole theft because when they first met she was far lighter and when as the relationship continued her personality became far darker far more obsessed far um, less kind and friendly than she'd appeared at the beginning hmm. yeah which is probably what drove her to do what she did I'm not making any excuses because what she did was hugely wrong but I do think that she had this element of she wanted to be in control of something and she felt like if she could give Sam this money and produce a way out for them both, running off to wherever with all of these ill-gotten gains, she would be giving him something that he felt inadequate in not being able to give her. Yeah, because there was some talk about how he doesn't have much to give her and he lives in the back of the shop or something and a, on a cot and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, there, and, the, and the shop's in debt and he's struggling. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think he really... I don't know, I felt like in the film he was more passionate about her. Whereas I feel like in the book it just felt a bit more... I don't know. Maybe because you can see it and you could see him getting angry with Norman. I could see like the, the you know. Emotion. 
emotion behind it. Whereas I think sometimes in books, because I mean, you're probably a lot better at it than I am because you read a lot more than I do. But I think sometimes it helps for me when I read a book that I've seen the film with. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't do that with everything because I can picture the people. I I can't seem to like, so when I read this, I could picture Norman, I could picture Marion and, or Mary and but how did you pick? How did you picture them? Did you picture them as they are portrayed in the film, or did you picture them as they were described in the book? No, the whole way through, because I've seen Psycho before the book, I pictured Janet Lee and I pictured Anthony Perkins. Like, do you know what I mean? So when I look at something that maybe that's just me, I don't have the imagination for it. But when when I I read something that I haven't scene it's harder to picture it I find it sometimes a bit harder to connect with it maybe that's why I read a lot of true crime but also obviously we've read um previously we've both talked about practical magic which obviously most people have seen the film and the body which is stand by me yeah and didn't we do another one I didn't read the book for Firestarter that was just a film no that was just a film I I did the book on my own yeah but yeah, so sometimes I think, I think for me, I, I like, even when we talk about the fact that you prefer Twitter over Instagram, because I'm a very visual person where you like to read, yes. you know, you like, you need the words, I need the, the visual. And I think that's sometimes why I struggle with books because I can't sometimes pitch what it looked like, because I'm what even like, you know, when you listen to a podcast even, yes, and you try and figure out what that person looks like. I get it wrong every time. When I you see thought a- I looked, you thought I looked like my original mini me, which would have been quite nice. No, but th- but that's the thing. It's like I I've heard all these podcasts, and then I I because I've met a, you know a couple of you in person and some of you online, and I'm like, oh, that's what you look like, you know. And I've completely wrong all the time. So I'm not very good at. I'd be a terrible profiler. <laughs> I just will get it wrong all the time. <laughs> You know, but, the criminals um, would love you. Yeah, the exactly. They, much. They, they want me to be a profiler. But um, yeah, so with this, I was able to see Anthony Perkins and see Janet Lee, and um, and that's not how they're described in the book at all. No, no, they're not. They're I have gonna... to be honest. I fa- I struggled quite a lot with blocks writing. In what way? It was quite disjointed. Okay. I didn't find, I mean, I love a book where the story flows and it's really, it's smooth, right? Mm. Smooth sailing for the character. Not necessarily smooth sailing in the situations, but the writing is very smooth. There's a nice pattern to it. And Mm. I found his was quite disjointed. Okay. Which I I didn't struggle with it, but I didn't find it as as enjoyable a read as it may well have been. I think there were certain elements of the, not of the story that I struggled with, but he was very um, abrupt in a lot of the sentences that he wrote and a lot of the situations. Okay. I think, I think my problem with books is I'm such, as you know, I'm not what you would call a patient person. No. So when I get like filler, in a book, the same with a film. 
like we were talking about this the other day when it comes to like sex scenes. I'm like, I know what's happening. Give me some content. Give me some content. Like, do you know what I mean? I struggle with the the filler. Yeah, this was, we were talking about glamorous, weren't we? Yeah. The series with Kim Cattrall. And just to provide some context, there are certain, you get promised something yeah. and it's not delivered and what they deliver is something else entirely. It's disappointing for anybody. It's the same with a book. If a book is marketed as, oh, this is amazing. I've read so many books that are marketed as this is the bestseller written by such and such and you're going to love it because if you like mm. this, you'll love that. That's not always true. No, and I, I remember Dev, like, because Dev reads a lot and he read all the um, Game of Thrones books and he said that there was like four or five pages describing a dinner, a feast. Yep. I would have been like, nah, not having it. You had steak and chips, end off with a glass of wine. Let's forget about it. Like, yeah, but they, don't, I mean? they go into serious detail yeah, in those I, books. I haven't got the patience for it. I haven't. That's why when I picked this book and I was like, oh, it's only 150 words. I was like, 150 words, lovely. 150 <laughs> pages. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Her like, throat, they found her body in a river. The money was there, the end. <laughs> basically, yeah. So when they get too like into the details, you know, I, I just can't, like, if I wrote this book, it would probably be 75 pages. <laughs> I just, oh, my brain just, I'm so impatient. I'm literally one of these people, they're like, well, I just read the last page. Well, I just read the last page. Like, do you know what I mean? Because I'm so impatient. I feel like it's a problem. Whereas for me, sitting down on a Saturday and picking up a 500 page book is my absolute <sighs> idea of heaven. We're never doing it. <laughs> Yeah, that's double 500 pages. I know. No, we'd have to like plan it in 2027 or something if we were doing that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You've heard it here first. 2027, we are going to be discussing it. I just can't sit Plus still the 1990 adaptation with Tim Curry. I wish I could. I envy you, Ray, that you can do that. I really, and Deb's the same. I wish I just, I wish I was more, I wish I could sit still. I just can't sit still. But then it's not for every. I think if everybody were the same, and this is something I've said before, if everybody were the same when it came to books, then the world would be, bo mm. would be so boring. But it's also the same as, I mean, I've got a wide array of different genres behind me, though you can probably only see a few. Yeah. And I don't think I could sit down and just read one genre. No. And I don't understand people that do. No, you need it all. Yeah, you do. I've got books about, um, I think these are all mythology. The next shelf down is science fiction fantasy. Uh, shelf over there is all about dragons. And there's a load of romance and real, real weepies, the other side. So, I mean, I think that you have to have that balance of everything. And this book, for me, I, I actually would have liked it liked a bit more exposition, a bit more narration, a bit more dialogue, a bit more character development would have been really so nice. was it not long enough for you? I think that it, it lacked the character development that I think would have made Norman even a far more, not likable character because I don't think anything could have made him a likable character, but would have actually given far more information into his motive, which is why the TV series, I think that's why the TV series was so popular because you got the motivation behind everything with the 
almost incestuous relationship between Norman and his mother. Yeah, it was a bit like, yeah, it was a bit messed up. I, I'm not obviously a big, I think that obviously that's where they get the whole egging thing from, but I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. Yeah, the funny thing is though, apparently, though he only lived a few, I think he lived for, um, Robert Block lived 40 miles away from where the whole Ed Gein thing happened. Oh, really? He was writing the book when it was going on. Well, yeah, because this is 59. I think Ed Gein got arrested in 57. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. he's even mentioned at the end of the book. Yeah, because you know what the weird thing is, though, is because Ed Gein is like this massive, well-known serial killer, but he... I hate using this phrase, but he killed two people, only two people. And not only in the sense that, oh, my God, one person is too many. But, yes. you know, when you think of serial killers, like you look at, the, you know, your Bundys and your Kempers and, you know, your Ramirez. This is her like area of expertise, yeah. by the way. <laughs> no, no, but like, you know, there's lots of people, you know, but Ed Gein is like one of the most well-known serial killers out there. And but I think that it's far more to do with what they discovered when they arrested him, which yeah, we are not going exactly. to go into. I no. think it's far more to do with that. I will post some links in the notes so you can do your own just research. watch the texas chainsaw massacre and it'll give you a bit of an idea <laughs> yeah just just i'll send i'll post some links and it'll give you a path to your own research because we don't need to go into it however i think that it was more what they discovered than mm-hmm. than the number of people yeah. that were harmed in the process of his discovering who he was yeah but there are also, I mean, there's so many things in the book about sex and gender. Yeah, because they, I, I mean, it's it's a word that we grew up with. And I'm only saying this in reference to what we watched. And I know it's not a word we use. Yeah, what we read and what, yeah, read. Well, th- yeah, but they, they say it when, um, the only reason I'm thinking of it is because there's this moment where Lila and Sam are at the police station and they're talking to these people. And one of the cops uses the word transvestite. And that was very much what you would say if there was a bloke or a woman dressed in the opposite way. Usually it was a bloke dressed as a woman. You would say the word transvestite, which I know nowadays is not a word that um, people tend to use. But it was it, it's 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 weird when, you know, because obviously today it's very much, um, you know, a big, a huge part of how we live and stuff like that. But back then, it was like, you know, no, no, no. You just, you you didn't talk about it. You didn't, yeah. if you did it, you did it in the privacy of your own home and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they actually associated it a lot with specific yeah. mental disorders. And again, we are stressing, this is what happened in the 19, the mid to yeah. early 1950s yeah. and the early 1960s yeah. before it became something that is nothing to do with mental disorders. It was just the way it was interpreted. But yeah, so when I heard, because I obviously, um, me and you were born in the 70s, so we grew up in a time where that word was used. And I'll be honest with you, when I was watching the film and he said transvestite, I was like, oh, we don't say that. You know what I mean? But not in a, we don't. I just was like, I would never say that, but I would have in my 20s. Mm. I would have said that word, you know what I mean? Or transsexual is another word you would have said you know um but yeah it, it's just it's interesting how far back it all goes and know? it's interesting the interpretation that is 
given to it at that particular period in time. It just shows there are certain things. I mean, I wonder, I haven't seen the 1998 remake with Vince Vaughn. I don't think I want to. Apparently, it's awful. But it's just Van Sant one. That yes. Apparently, doesn't. Yeah. Apparently, it's awful. But yeah, I, I wonder how they would have handled that in 1998 in comparison with how it was handled in the in 1960. I'll be honest with you. In 98, I don't think it would have been that much different because it's only kind of been in the past few years that it's you know used differently you know I don't I don't think it would have been I mean I have to watch it to see because I haven't seen it but um actually no I think I did see it but I don't remember it that says a lot doesn't it really yeah exactly but yeah it's good but you know what I I didn't think of him as being a transvestite in this I didn't I I just think they make a point at the very end of the book and the film of highlighting that he wasn't a transvestite. It was yeah. his it was his split personality disorder yeah. that caused him to identify believe he was his mother. Yeah, because when you when you look at like transgender, it's like you're always a, a woman or you're always a man or whatever the way you want to describe yourself. Whereas in this, it was it wasn't like he was, um, oh, I want to be a she, so call me that. It was like, mm. I'm going into this personality where I am my mother. It wasn't about, I don't think it was anything, it wasn't anything to do with him being a woman. It was about him being his mother. Yeah. You know? A lot of it says that it was yeah. due to the guilt of committing matricide. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't anything about his, I don't think it was anything to do with gender, it was a it was to do with the mother that was the only f- and she happens to be a female like you know it could easily have been had his father raised him it could have easily has been his father like do you know what i mean i don't yeah. think it had anything to do his with his father did a runner didn't he so yeah. he left in the um the capable or not so capable arms of his mother and she yeah. was a very domineering personality and then she met yeah. somebody when he was in his, when Norman was in his teens, and all of a sudden, this person who had been his and his alone was getting ready to get married. So he actually killed both of them. Yeah, yeah. So he had issues. He had, <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of issues. I mean, the thing was, he dissociated from his actions, and when he killed Mary, he didn't even remember doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought that was uh, very weird. And I think the whole thing of putting on his mom, like in the film when he, you know, he puts on the wig and all that kind of stuff like that's that that's a whole new level of kind of like mental illness. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it, 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 you know, it's not like kind of going, it, it literally is like, Norman didn't kill those people. Norman well, that's, did. That was that yeah. was exactly the point yeah. that the book is making. Yeah. The book makes makes the statement that he did not commit these crimes, his other personality did. Yeah. So therefore, how culpable was he for what he did? And see, that's the thing though. So if if the person he had killed was like someone, like say someone killed someone I cared about. And they were like, oh, well, it was my split personality. You'd be like, oh, get to, you know what I mean? But 
with him you know but you can also see that that is a real thing but it's also a very hard thing to accept as a reason and also a pretty hard thing to prove yeah because like I mean I don't know if you've seen the film um Primal Fear with Richard Gere and Edward Norton that is a fabulous film and it's the same thing Edward Norton has got like this split personality thing and it's really convincing but that's the thing but I think if you were the person that you know, someone you cared about had been killed and someone's like, well, it was my mate, Bob, my other person. You'd be like, no, you wouldn't be having it, even though you know it's possible. But I I mean, but then again, it's not, you know, OK, if it was his other person, that'd be fine. But he still deserves to be locked up for life. But apparently he gets out, as you said, in Psycho 2 <laughs> in 1983. Yeah. It, apparently Richard Block wrote a sequel called Psycho okay. 2 yeah. which has nothing to do with the film because apparently Universal Studios did not like the book so they went and wrote their own script for a sequel oh they but didn't like the sequel they didn't like his sequel they didn't like Richard okay. Blo- um, Robert Block's sequel at all okay. so they wrote their own and made a sequel Psycho 2 but Robert Block wrote a sequel called Psycho 2, which was apparently a commentary on slasher films, which is why Universal didn't like it. And in this film, Norman Bates escapes. Uh, well, he doesn't escape. He is um, freed from the mental institute, despite Lila, who is now married to Sam, doing her best to keep him in the mental institute, in the mental hospital. And... He then goes off wearing a nun's outfit. And there's this entire, um, it's such a complicated storyline. It's far more bloodthirsty and gory than the first book. Yeah. And it can t- it involves a lot more split personality disorder, not on his part, on someone else's. And also Lila's had a daughter with Sam called Mary, who takes up, um takes umbrage at her mother trying to get Norman Bates resectioned and takes his side and ends up getting killed in a police shootout. So I mean, seriously, that the entire thing is very bizarre. But then when you hear that um Robert Block actually was a protege of JR of um Lovecraft, you kind of see it. Yeah, that was a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it now, to be honest with you. Yeah, as I said, the film is totally different. They didn't use yeah. that script. They used another. Yeah. They used another script entirely. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what happens now. Well, you'll need to read the book then, because the <laughs> film wasn't made. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kind of curious to see what they've done with the new. Ah, film. what they did with the yeah with their yeah. with their sequel, yeah. but it's. It's very peculiar. I mean, as I said, I didn't find it to be written in my style. There wasn't enough description. There wasn't enough character building. You didn't get to know enough of the characters that you should care about Hmm. in order to actually care about them. No. No, I I think, yeah, I think that's, like, in the book, the only person in the book that I really liked was Lila. But do you think that we could have done with far more 
yeah. about her character and her character, her personality. Yeah. You actually get a far more rounded view of who she was. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I but think I will... that may have also helped with Norman and understanding mm. everything rather than hearing about it third person from the sheriff and yeah. then tiny bit at the end from the psychiatrist. It would have been good to see an element of his character on the page. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was fine with it, but I guess you're a bit more of a experienced reader than I am. Well, I, that's the thing. I wouldn't say that. I think that also the fact that a lot of the character is on screen. Mm. Yeah. So I think they did a better job with some of them on the screen, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like Sam, I thought was better on screen. That's the thing. I mean, Sam was very nondescript on paper yeah but on screen he was like he was almost like a, 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 a you know like when you think of like kind of like the Cary Grants and all this kind of stuff of the suave. world he was like yeah suave yeah he just had like because they basically open the film don't they with um Sam and uh Marion in that hotel room whereas and, in the book yeah that's not there at all no exactly so you know but I, I think one thing this book film has done is it's influenced so much. I mean, like when you even hear the name Sam Loomis, you know, you're going to go straight to Halloween, you know, and it's like, look what's come out of Halloween and the franchise that that's been. Um, and obviously there's inspiration there with the whole knife, especially the action, because when you watch um, Psycho and the way the knife comes down, and it's kind of the same with Myers. He's not, there's no like real aggression in it. It's more, you know, you kind of feel like you could dodge it because it's that slow. Yeah. And then like, you know, even with the screen films, you've got Billy Loomis and he's like taking the whole, we will go a little mad sometimes. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, you, you've got all these films that, um, you know, that the, that this has inspired. So, you know, it kind of lives on, it kind of lives on through that, which I think is great. Like, it's nice when you watch certain films and you're like, oh my God, you got that from like the 60s, for God's sake. Like, do you know I, think, what I, mean? I mean, the 60s was an incredibly influential era for film. Just, I, I feel like this film kind of, it, it, I mean, it gives you all of that, you know, where, and it's it's led on, you know, to like the the Halloweens and the screams, you know, the Billy Loomis character, they're there because of Psycho. Like, do you know what I mean? And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, we got, I know that's kind of the Ed Gein thing, but you know, that was psycho as well. So I think, you know, you watch a lot of these things and and I don't really think we get the whole kind of, um, it's, it's you don't get the suspect, like I'm not a f fan of Hitchcock as a person. I think he was a bit of a dick. But yeah, that's that, that's a, that's an understatement. Yeah, but I mean, there are so many horrific stories about what he did to his female stars. Exactly. So many horrific stories. But the guy knew how to, make a film suspenseful yeah but do you think the book is I mean we've said this several times before and it's normally you asking the question is the book better than the film and for me the film was better than the book in this instance because I think you got far more a rounded view of the characters than you did in on on the page which is disappointing yeah I I agree I enjoyed the book I enjoyed the book and I'm glad I read it but um yeah, I, I got more out of the film than I did did the book, if I'm honest with you. 
you know, but maybe that's down to the acting of Anthony Perkins. Like, do you know what I mean? I thought he was amazing in this. But I think that may also be down to the lack of characterization in the book itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never read any other books by Block, so it may well be that this was a one-off and his characterization is much better in other worked in other works. But I but Lovecraft isn't great at character either. So maybe that's something that's an influence that he has from his mentor. Yeah. Maybe. But you know, I either way, the, the book got us that film. It did you indeed. Know. You know, so uh I mean the thing is though, we know that Hitchcock took a lot of influence from novelization. Hmm. Because obviously the birds was from a Daphne Du Maurier short story. Yeah. Rebecca was from another Du Maurier yeah. novel, which is fantastic and I would recommend you read it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's quite okay. a large book, but it is well worth a read. Honestly, it's hmm. superbly written. And there's that dark, sinister undertone to the entire tale, which is fascinating. But Du Maurier can create incredible characterization anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe I'll have a look at this. If it's dark, oh, I need uh, to... It's definitely dark. I mean, you must have seen the film. I haven't. Oh, well, there's another one. Yeah. And it's a Hitchcock movie too. Yeah, and I haven't seen that. Not that I can recall. But that doesn't mean much nowadays. <laughs> And here we go back in to talk about menopause. I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh, yeah. I have seen I think that they've made so many different versions of it now. I think there was even one that came out, I want to say, last year on Netflix. But the original by Hitchcock is most is by far the superior. Because no matter what you say about his character, and there's a lot. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things you're like, Oh, why does it have to be him? But no, he's an exceptional filmmaker. He really well, is. And he's inspired all these other filmmakers. Exactly. There is, I mean, there is a lot to be said. He was incredibly talented. So it is a case of you have to, to a degree, separate art from artist. Yeah, because I, I remember saying to myself, well, I don't think he's great if he had to do all those horrible things to get someone. But like, you know, when you, because the thing, especially with what he did with Tippi Hedren, in the birds and stuff but that film's just terrifying i know but some of the shots and the way just the way he films stuff it's just he knows how to you can think about what he could have done with today's technology but like even in the like the shower scene like you don't see much and obviously it's black and white so you don't even see the blood really. shadows yeah but you uh, it gets you it gets you and when you see him like when you see um norman coming in and he's got that dress and the wig on and stuff like that it's it's terrifying you know it's like the way he runs with that knife it, it, it gets you i think that that's the thing with though the book is far more grotesque in description mm. i think that the film would have lost something if they'd used that particular method of death Oh, that wouldn't have worked. You're right. It would not have worked. You need, I, cause I'm very much with film. Cause I'm like, if anyone has listened to my podcast, uh, I'm not about the gore. It doesn't impact. It, it just grosses me out. It doesn't scare yeah. me. I'm just like, no, nah, I don't see it. Whereas with this, you're kind of like, you know, because I think sometimes 
when you have less, it seems more realistic. Now, I know we have certain serial killers and stuff like that who have done absolutely diabolical things. But when you when you watch gory horror films and you see them doing all sorts, you're like, ah, for God's sake, that wouldn't happen. You're so desensitized to it as well. Yeah, but when I see like kind of like the psychological aspect of it, like she's on her own, she's in this motel in the middle of nowhere, and she's vulnerable because she's in the shower and somebody's coming at her with a knife. I believe that could happen. Whereas when I watch something like Hostel, while I believe that's going on, it's a little bit harder to kind of process if you know what I mean, and I think that's because it's really it taking you to the yeah. absolute depths yeah. of human capability <laughs> and depravity. Yeah, and depravity. Yeah, and I think that's what makes films like Psycho believable, is because you're like, I could go on a road trip across America and end up in the motel, and somebody could be crazy. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, never going driving across America ever. Oh, I did it. I've done it. You know. Did you stay in a motel like that one, though? I have stayed in a motel like that, yeah. Not that motel, but I have stayed in a motel. I was going to say, that motel's at Universal Studios. Yeah, so it wasn't I've got pictures of it somewhere. (laughs) But the motel I stayed in was in New York, so yeah. But it was still quite creepy. I found it really creepy. I felt very exposed. But um, yeah, it's it's not somewhere I choose to stay because, I mean, the the motel itself looks creepy as anything. Mm. But it's meant to. And you can imagine coming across that in a darkened night when it's absolutely chucking it down with rain. Yeah, I'm not doing it. (laughs) No, but that's the thing. I mean, (laughs) thank you so much for putting yourself through reading the book. But again, I have to say book over film or film over book. I take the film. For this specific one or in general? No, I just, for this film, I would take this film over the book. I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed the film more than a book, but I did enjoy the book. But I just felt like I needed the visual for this, you know. And also, for some reason, the book felt far more dated than the film. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is weird. Yeah. Because quite often, you have to wait a lot longer than a year for a film yeah, that's a quick turnaround isn't it it's a very quick turnaround on this one yeah. but obviously hitchcock realized he had a hit on his hands and he did because i mean what was it 63 years later and we're still talking about, talking it. about it yeah and the remake a... could never nah. stand up to it it's a great film. i was i was watching it and i was like this is a great film you know sometimes you sit down and you watch a film and you're like this is a shawshank redemption this is a great film Silence of the Lambs. This is a great film. <laughs> Notice any that. connection between them? <laughs> no. Don't, whatever do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. Not at all. I have a tic- particular type of film that I like. And, then, you like, and then she watches The Holiday. <laughs> oh, I love that film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film. That's I, a great film. <laughs> yeah, that's a great film. And that's totally different to mm. any of the others. I think we actually talked about that. We did. We did it on your podcast, yeah. Yes. We yeah. talked about The Holiday. And now we've talked about Psycho. Two very, very different films. But both enjoyable. But both enjoy- Both very well done, I'd say. Yes. I love The Holiday. I need to watch that again, actually. I know. I think I'm going to have to dig out the DVD. 
mm. unless I loaned it to my mum, which I possibly did. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, but thank you ever so much for coming on and talking about this because I don't think I'd have picked this book on my own by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I'm not, because I'm not doing my podcast anymore, I need to get my fix. So I was on um, Stuart's podcast on British Murders talking about um, Alison Botha. So I will nag both of you <laughs> to let me come on to talk about stuff. So uh, Well, read Rebecca and we'll talk about that one. Okay. All right, I'll just use you to get my little fix. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, read Rebecca. I, I'm not going to loan you my copy of the book because it's a limited edition, but I definitely say... Buy it. <laughs> yeah, buy it. It's actually, it's one of those books I think that is really lovely to read as a physical book. I, I have to have the book. I can't do the Kindle. Yeah, I struggle um, with the Kindle far more than I used to, which yeah, is... I need the pages. Yeah, I, I, mm. I, I, I like pages. Yeah, I can tell. I, I especially like them when they have beautiful edges as well yes I'll paint some dragons on Rebecca and send it to you <laughs> no that, that's not the same it's not Rebecca it's a book by a Rebecca that has dragons in it that I'm annoyed about not getting a special edition of but let's not go there shall we people that yeah. don't order enough for, um, copies to sell to people yeah. <laughs> not annoyed at all Anyway, thank you ever so much for coming on and talking about this. I'm going to say that multiple times, but it was fantastic to talk about something so different mm. because this really was very different. So every anyway, months I'm going to plant the seed of horror. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to really, really. I mean, I do read a, a fair bit of horror. But not not loads. We need to do The Exorcist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. That 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 one's definitely not gonna be on on my list. Ah, it's only a little bit of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I scare easy. We have established this. Okay. Sleepers. Um, I think we talked about doing that one. Okay, I'll re. I'll, I've read that. I'll reread it. Let's do sleepers. After you've right. read Rebecca. Okay. We'll do your one first. <laughs> yeah. It's a fa it is an, it's a it's a classic. It is a classic. Would novel. you do a true crime one? Like an actual real life one? No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. I I I raise listeners, tell her you want to listen to I, I, I books are escapism. And if, if I read something that's true, it's not escaping from anything. Okay. I, I have to be honest. Call yourself a book podcast. <laughs> yes, I do. I call myself a fiction book podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's it for this weekend. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family? And please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other podcatchers where you listen. You can follow me on Twitter at being underscore bookish and on Instagram at being bookish pod. Or you can check out my website for a load of my unreleased book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I've got a lot to get ready for next week and I'm sure Lorraine is going to be digging through her books to find something else to torture me with. <laughs> 
and a new book is actually calling me because I am three quarters of the way through it because I started it this morning before work. So until next time, this is me saying farewell and farewell from the rain. Farewell, farewell. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.